Hi, my friends, and welcome to today's episode of Forte Catholic. I'm so glad that you are here. If you're watching uh, us on YouTube, you're having a very different experience than the majority of you who are just listening podcast only. Contrary to popular belief, I do have a face, and I'm currently showing it to the people on YouTube for the first time in two and a half years. I've had uh, either a full beard or uh, the uh, old Breaking Bad goatee for two and a half years, and I finally decided to get rid of it for a few reasons. One, it's been two and a half years. I just needed a change. Two, I, uh, the gray was winning and I'm starting to look 45 years old and I'm 33 and I don't like that. Uh, so I shaved it off to look, you know, a, a bit younger. Also, it's the middle of track season. I'm getting really weird uh, sunburn lines and I really wanted to, my face to look okay whenever I finally decided to shave my face off. So uh, pick your reason, whatever. I look different, but we've got a great show today. And if you don't like my uh, face shaving, well, guess what? I had a beard whenever I recorded the majority of the podcast. So just wait a few moments. You'll be fine. Uh, recorded this one live in Austin with Catherine Whitaker at her house. Uh, I share a story about uh, going to a deacon ordination for one of my friends from my home parish and how how um, beautiful and incredible it was, but also how I found myself accidentally making it a hilarious event. Um, I also share some uh, random thoughts about Jesus that Catherine seemed to like, so I hope that you enjoy them too. And then to close out the show, we talked about um, repetition. Repetition? We talked about repetition. There was repetition and our repetitiveness of repetition. And we talked about the, there, that there's beauty in repetition. And sometimes things can, things can seem repetitive when there's repetition of repetitive words. Uh, but how it's, it's a good thing, whatever we do, repetition. So I hope that you enjoy today's show. I hope that you enjoy today's show. Enjoy. Enjoy. Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll. That is Catherine Whitaker. We are back in your house. I just keep finding ways to convince you to come to Austin. Really, the only reason I'm here is because I'm working on your podcast, which we'll talk about later on in today's show. And I, I work with a lot of podcasters, and a lot of it is remote, like getting the thing set up. So I like I've gotten pretty good at like, hey, here's how you do it. Here's or here's what you need to buy. Here's how you set it up. And I did all that with you, and I'm still like, how does it not work? So I'm here today. I, I don't think it's your fault. We'll find out oh. in a few minutes. Oh, but it, it's hope just, it's not my fault. No, because it's like we've gone through all the settings, and it's one of those things where it's just like every now and then I just need to get my hands on something, and I'm sure I'll push one button and everything will work oh, great. <laughs> yeah, this is what it was. Well, but it was a good excuse for you to drive over. Again, so you came to Austin and told me, so I feel honored that you came because you don't always tell me when you come to Austin. Just Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. No, uh, I, we're getting to the point where I have come to Austin to come to your house more times than I've been to Austin to not come to your oh, house. Oh, that makes me feel That is not true for you in College <laughs> Station, Brian. <laughs> okay, I'm realizing that. I am coming to College Station, but I'm only going to be seeing my boy. We talked about this. We like did. It's like in and out. Well, I mean, I duped you into doing this show, so I, I, I think we can move past that. I, I think I've forgiven you enough. I'm, I show up enough that it's okay. Yeah, the only time I'll get mad now is if you're like, hey, I can't record in College Station, but can you come to Austin? <laughs> no, no. You're already here. <laughs> Leave me alone. So uh, we're glad to be here. Uh, I have a story that I've been sitting on for a while because I did a show uh, with Allison, but I recorded it with her before this event happened. 
Then I did a show by myself, and I did a show with Anthony. You were and, just waiting until you came here. I needed a woman, is what I needed. And, and, you, Al and Allison, oh, I guess she you, did her show. Yeah, before. we had already done it. So right, you're the right. first woman I've talked to on this show <laughs> since this event happened. I went to a deacon ordination uh, a few weeks ago. Have you ever been to a deacon ordination? I have. They're very cool. How many? Okay, so I, I had been to two priest ordinations, but I'd never been to a deacon. I think you're going to win. How many priest ordinations have you been to? Um, only, only two or three. Okay. I've been to four bishop ordinations or installations, whatever, or not ordinate, whatever. Yeah. And then I think I've only been to one diaconate ordination. Okay. So we're so tied we're on tied. deacons. You won. We're either tied or you won on priests. But of course you had to one up me and be like, oh, this other thing you've never been to. I've been to 28. So, uh, <laughs> I've been to a couple of priest ordinations, but I've never been to a deacon's one. Yeah. And, um, a guy from my home parish who, uh, they've, they've been donors, donors to the ministry for years. I, um, his wife was the DRE in my first oh, youth nice. ministry job. So like, uh, her and then eventually him, once I got to, got to know him more, uh, they were just like both mentors to me, like really early in my, in my like ministry life, my career. Um, so they, it was just really nice that they invited me to this, this ordination. So I, I, um, drive up there Saturday morning. It's in the Co-Cathedral in Houston. You ever been there? In downtown? I'm, Scott has. My husband. I've never been. I've seen photos. It is so pretty. Like, whenever it, I, I was Which there. Which I think, by the way, I think that's such a weird, like, well, we have one cathedral, but we also have another one. So we're just going to call them the Co-Cathedrals. Long yeah. as Catholics are weird. Anyway. Yeah, well, ahead. I think it's just to not offend Galveston. Because Galveston was huge when the Catholic Church started Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And Bishop's Palace? Like that yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Bishop's Palace. Oh, that's a, that's a, I'm surprised you know that. Oh, that's like where my, I grew up. My mom is a Texas history teacher, and I would be failing her if I did not know key points in the state. So, Bishop's yes. Palace is ridiculous. I think we, we <laughs> talked about it like a year ago on the show because my wife and I went uh, went there, I guess it was this summer. So yeah, almost a year ago now. Um, yeah, we went vacation in Galveston. Oh, I talk, yeah, went to Bishop's Palace. Bishop Palace so uh, go back and find the episode last summer. I don't know. I don't know what prepared for this. Um, Do your own homework. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll have a trivia for the Catholic <laughs> trivia and I'll fail it because I'm just here. I don't listen to the show. I yeah, just talk. Okay. Uh, so what was I talking about? Talking oh yeah, cathedral, uh, the Co Cathedral. So it's it's incredibly pretty. Like the Co Cathedral opened, like when I was, like living there, like as a as a young adult youth. It's probably a teenager actually. Um, so I remember going when they opened it up. It's just incredibly pretty. Like to the point where like everybody when it first opened had all the arguments about like why does the Catholic Church have so much money and so many pretty arts? <laughs> you know, just but yeah, it's worth it. Because I go in there, I, I had an experience at this at this uh, deacon ordination that I haven't had in quite some time. It's a very positive experience. But first, I have to tell you the silly experience because that's how this show works. Okay. So um, going from Bryan College Station to Houston, it's all this highway called 290, and it kind of slices into Houston, and then you just take that loop in the Houston, loop. and, you're and you're never in. It's, like, yeah, you can <laughs> stay on the loop. Look, exactly. like kids, Big Ben Parliament. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I had to take 290 to get to the loop. 290 is a major highway. I, I know not everybody knows this stuff, but it's a major highway. Right. And I'm driving there and I had, uh, it's about an hour 30, hour 40 minute drive and I gave myself two hours. So I was like, I didn't want to be, I didn't yeah. be late. Uh, 290 closed that morning. Of course it did. Like completely, like not because of a wreck. Like they were just like, we're just going to close it. Well, I mean, maybe we'll work on it, but it was just close. So like One an entire like, uh, like inlet to the city of Houston, which is the fourth biggest city in America, was just closed. Everybody coming from the Northwest 
Just you're out of luck. What you had, what we had to do was get off the highway, like onto the feeder road, stop at the stoplight, then go through and get back on the highway. This sounds like my hometown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was it was ridiculous. So I was late. Well, your, to the ordination. your thirty minute buffer did not allow for it a did not. I like was that. I, I had a yeah twenty to thirty minute buffer, and I was fifteen minutes late to this ordination. Yeah. So that's actually pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I was flying the rest of the way. There's no state troopers listening to this. No, no so well, uh, one of them is my cousin, and okay. I went to state trooper. Uh, I almost said ordination. <laughs> I went to the state trooper ordination, yeah. and I know they're like secret fight song. So if I get pulled over by them, I just sing the beginning oh. of it, and I never get a ticket. Okay. I feel like a woman. <laughs> I get out of tickets. I got to freak it out of chicken. Wow. Okay, <laughs> this is good to know. Okay, we'll talk about. I, this I said yeah. chicken. That's hilarious. I was. Totally not on purpose. A chicken <laughs> getting out of it. Okay. Um, so I get to the ordination, and there are these. So picture, it's like a you know, really pretty and big church, but it's set up like a lot of churches are, like a cross. So there's like the long part of the cross, and then there's like these two wings on the side, and then like the top, like where Jesus' head would be, is like the the altar, and like I mean, it's a big old altar space in this in this cathedral, and so but there. All the way going forward, there are these huge pillars at huge, like, I don't know, eight feet by eight feet. Like St. Peter way. pillars. Like yes. That. Okay. Like, I, you know, if I hugged it, I'd be hugging like an eighth of the circle. I mean, okay. like, they're huge. Okay. Um, so I'm late and I'm trying to find a seat and it's all packed. So I'm walking down like the long part of the, of the church and I walk in, I stop at a pillar. I'm, I'm, this is during the homily, or I'm sorry, during the gospel reading, okay. and then the homily starts as I'm still looking for a seat. So I walk to the pillar, I stop. Because I'm like, try not to be sure. distracting. So I just kind of stand by the pillar, I look to my right, you're I surveying, look forward. You're surveying to see like where this is. there seat. any seat? No, and I move to the next pillar. Any seat? No, I move to the next pillar, any seat? No. So then finally, I get to the wings, and I finally over on the left. So this is like the people that are looking from the sides to the altar, not looking forward. So I was like, I finally find a seat. And I'm like, can I sit here? And the guy's like, yeah, sure. You know, like, no, no, he wasn't, no, you know, I was making sure nobody else was sitting there. Sure. It's been 15 minutes, right? And I sit down, I'm like, ah, I'm here. And I look forward, and guess what's sitting in front of me? One of those eight-foot pillars. <laughs> That's why nobody's sitting. I can't see anything. I can't see oh. like the deacons, like you know, the, the ones getting ordained. I can't see the altar. I this can't is see like these are like the seats when you go to a concert, like block, partially blocked view. Partially blocked. You can see your hands, and that's about it, you know. So I sit there for about 30 seconds and I'm like, I'm gonna keep moving. So now I'm moving like backwards to, on the side, right? And finally, I'm I, again just to picture it, I'm in these like two side wings that look from left to right onto the altar. So I'm walking to the left side and I, all of that is full, except for like the last three pews. There's like a smattering of people. Like there's like person and like three or four people could sit and then like two or three people and right. then like three or four people could sit. So I walk up to this lady and uh, she's probably, I don't know, 60, 65, nice, nice little, uh, I would say old lady, but you know, I usually get yelled at for stuff like that. 60s novels, by the way. Yeah. As we marched towards Y'all, y'all are close. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Thanks so much. So, sweet little, I, I've been, as I've been saying the story, sweet little old lady. So that's what I'm going to stick with. So I asked her, hey, can I sit there? Is anybody sitting there? She's like, no, come on in. She like pats my back. Like, just, oh, so, you know, so like, Southern. Yeah. Sweet, sweet little lady, right? So I sit there and it's like her and then like a blank spot and then me and then a blank spot and then like three or four more ladies and then a couple of blank spots. So it's like, I found my place. I can see. 
everything from the side. So I can see the bishop, I can see the altar, I can see the priest, I can see the front row of deacons, which like the yeah, guy no, was there to deal. see. Like yeah. I could see everything, right? It was from the side, but I could see everything. And so I sit there and it's been a wild morning. Like I woke up and then, you know, drove, drove got delayed. Like I was like kind of stressed out because I'm like, I'm late and I couldn't find a seat. Am I going to have to stand? It's a two and a half to three hour ceremony. Like I can't stand that whole, like my feet, I'm too big. My feet would have broken, you know? <laughs> so it was stressful. I sat behind a wall. Like now I'm finally like, ah, oh, and I'm like settling in and I'm settling in. I'm listening to the homily, homily from Cardinal Donardo, the guy that confirmed me like, ah, oh, I'm settling in. Cool. Yeah. So then I'm finally like, I settle in. It takes me a couple minutes. And then I'm focused on the homily. And I'm like locked in. Like, this is cool. I've never been to a deacon. Like, I've heard our bishop, I've heard him and I've heard our bishop here give the confirmation homily 12 18, times. Yeah, 18 like, it's, billion times. And it's the same thing every time. It's like, I kind of check out. I've heard it. I've heard this, literally they're gonna, this They're going to ask you the gifts of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Be ready. Yeah. Um, so... I listen to the whole homily and I'm focused. But then, as I've said many times in this show, after the homily is Catholic intermission. Like you don't really have to pay attention. They're singing a song, they're passing a bucket, you know, whatever, right? It's a lot of movement. So I'm like, I, then I start looking around because now I'm in like my home diocese now. I probably know a lot of these people. I've done a lot of work in the diocese of Houston. So I'm looking around, I'm like, oh, okay, I know that person. I kind of wave at somebody, you know, just people that I knew from like working in youth ministry there. And then as, as I'm scanning, I finally lock into this sign that's like, in the section of pews that I'm in, so on this left side that I'm sitting on, there's two rows of pews. On the left row of pews, it's very clear, it's all the like other deacons that are already deacons in the diocese. There's like a hundred of them on this side and a hundred of them on the other side. It, like, it was a cool show of brotherhood. They're all there for these new brothers that are being welcomed into the diaconate. And like, there's even a moment later in the mass where like after the new ones become deacons. There's like 40 new, newly ordained deacons. They all go and they hug each other. And it's yeah. like part of the ritual, like for them to welcome them into this brother. It's, it's like, just it's really like cool when um, at a priest ordination, I mean, sorry, at the chrism mass, when all the priests stand and like renew their priestly vows right. and like you see the brotherhood. It's right. really cool. <laughs> it's just really neat. So I had, could clearly see that because the guys wearing dresses, like it's really easy to, to all see the them. same color. Right, yeah. Exactly. They all match their outfits. Hey, this is what I'm wearing. What are you wearing? <laughs> Dang it, we're all wearing the same thing. <laughs> but then I notice the thing that makes this story funny to me. Uh, there's a sign in the row that I'm in next to where all the deacons are. And it says deacons' wives. <laughs> this entire section is reserved for deacons' wives. And here's Taylor. Guess who I'm sitting just with? sitting with all just, the deacons. And the irony is, I didn't know it. But this is like 30 minutes into me being there. So 45 minutes into this mass, I realized that these little ladies that have been smiling at me, I thought they were being kind, which they were, but they're also like, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> are you so married to someone? I was a deacon's wife for an entire ordination without but, realizing but it. But also by that point, they're like, you know what anybody can say here. Right, the exactly. mass is already started. All the deacon's wives are here. Right. Anybody, they should, there should be like an extra row for... Not deacons was, <laughs> right. but extra seating. But yeah, so like it, it was actually kind of funny. Like That's once hilarious. I sat there and like seemed accepted by the group, some other people that had been standing for a while came and sat in the rows behind us or whatever. Um, you just you just opened the door for everyone else. I did, I did. did. Uh, everyone can be a deacon's wife when I am here. You too <laughs> so. can sit with the deacon's wives. So it was just very funny. I was so I, it was just very fun because of course 
that's what would happen to me is I would become a deacon's wife at a deacon's ordination. So. Note to self though, when I go to a deaconate ordination, I'll just sit with the deacon's wives. Nobody's going to know. No. Who's well, going to know? They're definitely not going to know because I'm a woman, <laughs> Taylor. But yeah, oh, that's a good tip. Yeah. So if they you're never, ever looking they, for they, CD, they never fill up the rows. That's great. Oh my gosh, that's so fun. Uh, but it was it was really cool. There's a, a couple of cool things. Like the, the brotherhood piece was just incredibly neat. How there was there, there was about a hundred deacons and their wives on my side across all the way on the other side of the of, of the altar. Uh, I think it's funny that a cross is a shape of cross. Anyway, um, the other side there's like another hundred deacons yeah. and, and their wives and probably one very confused man that didn't that realize thirty <laughs> minutes in that uh, yeah. Um, but just. Seeing that they would come to this three-hour ordination, two-and-a-half-hour ordination, for people, they there's no way they know all of them. They might know one or two of them, right? But like I had like a real connection to this guy right. and, and his wife, and like it was it was a, like kind of like a I got to see a lot of people like from my parish community that were also there. It was just yeah. it's just this cool thing um, from, from like my parish that I grew up in. But it's like these guys literally just came. Because they were brother deacons with these with these guys, and I just I just thought that was really neat. Um, the other thing was the homily that I actually paid attention to. So uh, the before you realized that you were a deacon's exactly wife. exactly. Okay. So I um, the gospel reading at a deacon's ordination. I don't know if it's every time. I would imagine it's every time. I've only been to one. Every yeah, time I've been, been it's uh, the story is. No, sorry, not the gospel reading. The New Testament readings from okay. Acts of the Apostles about De uh, Stephen, the first deacon. It probably is. I mean, I think that was the reading that right. we had. It would make in sense. In our right? vast experience, <laughs> right. someone's going to leave a comment and let us know that. But yeah. <laughs> Right. So uh, I uh, read the story definitely on the way here in my car. I read all of Acts chapter 6 and 7, and I wanted to share a, a few pieces uh, with you here. So don't don't uh, text and drive. Just read the Bible. Just read drive. the Bible yeah, and yeah. drive. Um, so this is uh, Acts chapter six. So we're you know we, we've gone through five chapters of the early church. So this is pr pretty pretty early. Uh, at that time, as the number of disciples continued to grow, the Hellenists, the Greeks, complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So the twelve called together the community of the disciples and said, "It is not right for us to neglect the word of God to serve at table." Brothers, select from among you seven reputable men filled with the spirit and wisdom whom we shall appoint to this task, whereas we shall devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So it's just, it was this cool thing of like feeling, because I'd never been to a deacon's ordination before, feeling this connection to 2000 years ago of like the, the church, the apostles, the first bishops saw a need that wasn't being filled. And that need was the care of the people, the ministering of the word and widows. So it's like they literally saw this need that needed to be filled and they were like, we can't do this on our own. We're busy trying not to be murdered or whatever. I don't know what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> a few crazy things going on these days. Right. So it was, it was, uh, I started feeling this connection to this is, I am currently witnessing something that happened 2,000 years ago, and that's been happening for 2,000 years, and I'm in this big church, and I'm hearing all this, like, beautiful music, and I'm just like, it, it, it's one of those things that, like, intellectually, we talk about all the time, oh, yeah, the church is 2,000 years old, but it's like, that's insane. Right. The fact that I'm celebrating something in Houston, which is, what, 3,000 miles away from the, whole, the Holy Land, where all this stuff happened, and it's been 2,000 years. And we're participating in the same thing that they did. And like these guys are being ordained to help with the ministry of the word 
and to like, they do a lot of the service stuff, uh, ministry to the poor and the homeless and the uh, people. the babies and exactly. do the weddings. Yeah, and all the so all this stuff. And it's just like this connection to, like I've seen deacons. I've, I've, I've really enjoyed working with a lot of deacons. And it's like, they're really helpful. I know they help our priests out a lot, you know, with, you know, once a month they don't have to preach or whatever, you know. Um, but it was just really cool being connected to this thing that was, it's 2,000 years old. And I got to participate in it. It was just really cool. You know, growing up, so I grew up Protestant, so deacon meant something very different in our church than it did in the Catholic church. So when I became Catholic, I was like, oh, you guys kind of take the deacon thing seriously here. (laughs) (laughs) Not that Protestants don't. It's just very different. Like the preparation, like I didn't realize, I know like when Archbishop Amen came to Austin, I mean, it's this huge, like it is a multi-year commitment. And it's not just the man who goes through formation. His partner, his spouse also does. Yeah, so she gets forced to go to school for six years. It gets no credit yeah, for it. It's awful. So I, I, I asked my husband, I said, so, because he's talked about, oh, maybe, you know, I'll consider deaconate. And I said, so what does that mean? He goes, well, we would, we would have to miss Aggie football on Saturdays. It's like, yeah, I'm, we're no, out. No, no. <laughs> I can't. It's a real sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. So I'm always really impressed. Like when you go to the ordination, like there's been a lot of lead up to that day and it's really joyful. Yeah. I, I think diaconate ordinations are really awesome. Just the, not, just the not one, for me the or your one, husband. <laughs> yeah, except for not for us. It's not his call, but I do I do think that when you go to things like that, the universality of the church mm-hmm. becomes very real. Yeah. It was it was just yeah, I, I it's one of those things that we we say it all the time, but it was like I got to experience it. That's of cool. like, this is a two thousand year old thing, and it was just like I'm small in it, but also it's just like really cool that I get to be a part of it. Um, so uh, the cardinal is given the homily about the diaconate and the readings and stuff, and one of the readings was part of that reading from from Acts chapter six. So Acts chapter six is like the calling of the deacons, the calling of Stephen, and then like kind of what Stephen does. All of chapter seven, all of it, is Stephen preaching. He gets up and preaches, uh, like to the people that killed Jesus, right? Yeah. And they're like, he 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 goes through all of salvation history in Acts chapter seven. So I know if you're struggling with Bible in a year, just go read Acts chapter seven. You got it in like one there. chapter, right? Uh, he goes through all of it, and he's like, hey, yeah. Uh, all of this led up to Jesus. You guys killed him. <laughs> it's like, it gets really intense, right? How does that feel? Yeah. How do you feel about yourselves? Yeah. Uh, God, I saw yeah. that from God, right? <laughs> um, so he preaches and the Cardinal makes a joke. He says that Stephen's preaching was so good that they killed him for it. He oh, because he was the first martyr. Yeah, right, because yeah. he he's, uh, this, this deacon, Stephen, was the first martyr and he was stoned after this Wonderful. Chapter-long homily sermon, right? And uh, I don't think I realized that. Yeah. So he gave one sermon, and it was so good. They're like, You're we have to kill awful. him. Like, no, no, no. He was that good. No, but I mean, <laughs> like, he's so good. Like, we must We do must, this. yeah. Even You're though we murdered right. Jesus, we'll go ahead and do this. Yeah, exactly. So they're like, we're going to keep it going. <laughs> Make the first minor, right? So uh, the cardinal made a joke. He's like, you know... Uh, they, they, he was so good. They stoned him for it. He's like, I'm not that good. I've never been stoned after best, you know, which I thought was funny. And I was like, you know what? I, I got to participate in this beautiful thing. The beginning was funny because I was a deacon's wife. The end was funny because I too have not been stoned for my preaching. So I must not be that good. But uh, yeah, it was just a really cool experience that uh, it was a very Forte Catholic experience. Very silly at the beginning and the end and with some meat right in the middle. No, I mean, I think if you have the opportunity to go to any ordination, 
whoever it may be. Go to a bishop's, I know. No, no. (laughs) I was actually going to say, well, deacons are great because they're people that you see almost, you know, depending upon who's being ordained and where they're assigned. But I mean, you see deacons every weekend. Mm -hmm. So it feels very real because you see them in ministry as opposed to maybe you do or don't see your bishop on a regular basis, or maybe you're going to a different diocese or whatever. But I don't know. I think they're really, ordination sort of, the pomp and circumstance that you're talking about, it's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, I like it. I'm a big it. fan. So I've been, uh, I, I've, I've been growing more trad this week, I guess. We talked about intinction, we've done ad orientum, I, and I, now I, we've I got the pomp and circumstance. That, that so, make me laugh. Uh, maybe I'm becoming trad, who knows? <laughs> so don't go anywhere, we'll be right back. Today's episode is sponsored by our friends over at Almighty Legends. I'm thrilled about this new project. It's a Kickstarter for these like action hero figurines of some of our favorite people from uh, the Bible and our faith. Uh, they've got the four horsemen that are coming at the end times, but uh, even more cool to me is they have figurines of the three archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. Uh, The Kickstarter just started on Ash Wednesday and it's running through Lent. I'm going to put uh, the link down in in the description of the show. You can go check them out. They look amazing. Like they, they look like, you know, action figures that you could get for, uh, for Marvel or for DC. That's it's that sort of uh, style. And they are really, really cool looking. I'm going to get some myself and support them on Kickstarter. So a little bit about them is their goal is to deliver a unique and thoughtful action figure figure line that will create a positive change in the way that collectors, both young and seasoned, collect and play. My, my son's going to love these too. I'm, I'm going to get me some of them. Um, so like I mentioned, the first series of figurines is going to include the three archangels, Gabriel, the messenger, Michael, the defender, and Raphael, the healer. And they're going to be followed by the four horsemen of war, conquest, famine, and death. These figures look absolutely incredible. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to put up some pictures uh, of some of the figurines. Uh, but for everybody that's watching and listening, go check the link in the description to go check out these awesome looking figurines from our friends over at Almighty Legends. Uh, check, you can see all the pictures and more information on the Kickstarter page that I have linked down below. Go check it out and support this great Catholic art. We've talked in the show before about how sometimes Catholic art is not very good. You know, it's just like, just make art that's good and maybe there's some Catholicism. We finally found it in Almighty Legends. I'm going to get these action figurines. Uh, me and my son will probably fight over them. Uh, so go check it out down in the link in the description. Welcome back to Fourth Day Catholic. I am Taylor Schultz. That is still Catherine Catherine. Do you remember that? I do remember that from last time, yeah. It took me a minute to remember why you were calling me that. Now I remember. I don't. Because <laughs> I, I won't tell you my first name. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Because I go on. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll go dig in your purse later and find your uh, driver's mm, license. I'm going to kick you out before then. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I'm surprised it took that long. Uh, so... Usually, I was, I was telling you I was planning the show literally as I was driving here. Right. It's been a busy couple of weeks with track season starting and Lent and work and all this kind of stuff. So um, it's been kind of crazy. So typically, what I do is like I like with Anthony, he doesn't want to know anything. He just wants to show up and do stuff. Liv's pretty similar. But like Allison and I think you like want a little bit of time to think about things. And like, a little bit. Like, you know, so, I mean, I got a whole 30 minutes. So You did. <laughs> Because I had quite literally zero things planned for the show to the point where I hadn't even thought about not having anything planned for the show. Right. Like I was driving here. I was like, oh, we're going to record. Then I'm going to wait. Oh, we're going to record. (laughs) We need to talk about some things. (laughs) So like I even like I I packed the mics. I packed the camera. I was like, it was just this mental block because my life's been insane for the last few weeks. So 
this segment is tied together by one theme and one theme, theme only. And I think you're going to have to be okay with it because the one <laughs> theme is Jesus. I'm not talking about you. Oh. You seem offended. I'm talking about them. <laughs> you need to be okay with this, okay? I have to be okay with this. The one, the one connective tissue of this segment is Jesus. Well, that's good since this is a faith podcast, Taylor. Some, uh, we haven't been accused of that too often. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I just have a lot of random reflections about Jesus because... It, we are in this in this season of Lent. You know, we had parish missions, we had homilies, we had the deacons. Like, I've been doing a lot of Jesusy things, so I've been picking up these random notes about Jesus that uh, I wanted to share. And there, there wasn't. And you had good. I, we call it windshield time. When I'm in the car and I'm just by myself, that's when I actually have really great conversations with Jesus. Oh, I didn't at all. I just worked. I just but constantly you, looking at notes. I was texting. Please I was don't tell me posting that. I'm, videos. I'm just thinking about you driving, and I'm like, please. I read all of Acts chapter 6 and 7. Did, did it, like, read to you? Oh, no. I'm just... Oh, Taylor, I don't... I You've don't do driven that. on the roads from my house to yours. There's no one there! Like, once I got into Austin, I was looking at the road. But, okay. like, from outside of I've Austin got, to I've my got, house... I've got four teenage... Well... One adult child, but three teenagers who are driving. One who's learning. <laughs> that just makes me well, very nervous. They shouldn't be texting and driving. You should only be doing things that you've had a lot of practice at. Okay. And I've been. Doing I'm this going for to a tell them time. you are welcome to listen to the podcast. <laughs> just do not listen to. Don't listen segment. to the Jesus segment. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm going to tell them. <laughs> So, uh, first little thing, this, this, all this is just little snippets from homilies and talks and missions and stuff that I was like, this is interesting, but I couldn't make a whole segment out of it. So, the walk to Emmaus was seven miles long. I thought you were going to let them guess. Like, I thought you were going to say. They, they can't answer. What do you think? <laughs> so we're we're waiting. Good, we're you waiting. did it. <laughs> We're going to wait here until y'all answer. <laughs> until, you, until you let us know. Uh, seven miles. Initial thoughts. I, I had no idea that it was that long. I actually thought the walk to Mace was one mile. So when you told me seven, I'm like, where are you getting your information? But I figure that you're getting it from the Bible. I am. I'm getting it from a parish. I think this does, was does a... It, does it say that in, in scripture? Seven miles? This is Chris Bartlett. So if it's wrong, we can blame oh, him. Oh, good. I like he, blaming Chris for things. He, he, led our, he, he led our parish mission. And I think this was him. But still, like whether it's a mile or seven miles, like I think about when I see someone awkwardly in the narthex for, you know, a couple of minutes and then it like strikes me, oh, like I know who that is. But for like seven miles to be hanging out with someone and be like, we have met. I'm trying <laughs> to remember where, like... That's a long time. Because, yeah, the famous thing is that they didn't recognize him until the breaking of the bread, which was long after the walk. So the first thing that stuck out to me was they were with him a lot. Like, they must have felt real stupid at the breaking of the bread. You know, they said they were astonished. There was, like, this beautiful moment. And I'm like, holy crap, we're so dumb. (laughs) We didn't recognize him. John, did you recognize him? Have we seen him before? The other thing that I thought about was the last time I was here, uh, we talked about two things. We talked about your dumb little sticker on your door that says, don't ring, the baby's sleeping. And we You knocked that today, you, so thank I, you. I did, specifically no for one, that reason. No one's here. <laughs> but the other thing that we talked about is the ridiculous stickers on the back of your van about all these hikes that you 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 have accomplished. And I, I feel like 
We can put a Mayus on the back of it because it's seven miles long. E-M-M-A. Like <laughs> Emma. Emma. We walked Emma. So, yeah, just the fact that... So, it was, it's funny. It was kind of shocked. My first thought was like, they're dumb. Like, here's Jesus explaining to them the things that have happened after they explained, have you not heard? There was this Jesus guy and he was crucified. He's like, I know! <laughs> I'm aware. Thanks for letting me know. So then he gives a talk and he's explaining the connections with that. Then he does the breaking of the bread. But first, like, a seven-mile walk is a lot. Like, I've been walking a lot. To, like, seven miles is... It's, it's substantial. Like, I'm t- I essentially walk a 5K. Like, well, that's a that's a, that's a a quarter of a marathon, right? I don't know. I'm so bad with math. I think it's 21 or something. So, like, a seventh of a marathon? No, 26.2 is a marathon. Oh, then it's like an eighth or a ninth. It's like, I'm asking, it's, don't ask me to do the that. The walk to Emmaus <laughs> is the same percentage of a marathon as me hugging the pillars in the Coconut Beach all okay, the that's fair. <laughs> uh, So It's a long time, though. It's, it's a lot. So, like, and I'm tired. My feet are tired. Um, but, like, I'm, in time, like, if you think, like, if it takes you 15 or 20 minutes to do a mile, they were with him a few hours. Yeah. I mean, so they recognize them. So it was, it was just, I feel bad for them. <laughs> I don't. They're <laughs> dummies. Um, but after the like initial, like, oh, they're how did they go this whole time without recognizing them? I thought about all the times where like I thought Jesus wasn't with me. Oh. And he was there the whole time. What was Jesus doing during this time? He was walking with them. Yeah. He was saying, Hey, can I come stay at your house? Uh, hey, uh, here I mean, I'm trying to teach you in your life and teach you these things about essentially me, this Jesus guy, right? And he was there the whole time and trying to help, and they're still oblivious. So it's just like there's been a lot of moments in my life. Now like I that. feel awful. I'm thinking of all. You're, we're the dumb ones. <laughs> I'm the dummy. Yeah. Oh man, that. Yeah, I'm gonna need a minute with that. Like I'm trying to think of all the times that I give them grief, but how many times have I? Been like Jesus, yo, where are you, man? And he's like, hey, never <laughs> left. Literally, like in your face, like I'm right here. <laughs> That's really good, Taylor. Yeah, cause he he's there and he's not forcing himself on. Like, hey, look at my face. Like, I'm right. he's and just he, walking with. But them, he right? doesn't make them feel like idiots at the right. end. That's us. We make them feel we like do that. Idiots. But he's not a, sh- a god of shame. He's right. a god of mercy. Oh, yeah. that's good. I'm, maybe I need to reread that. Walk to Emma. There, there you Walk go. to Emma. Walk to Emma. Um, next one, uh, just random Jesus fact. Uh, we're preparing in this Lenten season for Jesus' death, right? And this is, this one's about Jesus' death. And I've heard this, I've heard this idea before, but never with this specific wording of the ending. And kind of like that just hit you, this hit me. Says that God could have snapped his fingers to save us all. We've probably all heard that, right? Like, sure. how, how, you know, how does, like God, how does God? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, all your sins are forgiven, or, or half your it, sins it, it, are wiped away. <laughs> it is inevitable. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's a good reference. I'm proud of oh, you. Thank oh, thank you. you. I got stuff. boys. That's why. Like you knowing Thanos, I wasn't surprised by, it, but you saying I am inevitable. Like that's a good. That's a deep cut. That's very good. I'm proud of you. Um, you're like, see, I'm not the old lady in the deacon's, <laughs> deacon's views. Um, I got myself some teenagers. Yeah. God could have snapped his fingers to save us, but he chose suffering. And I hear this at the beginning of Lent. And like, you know, 
we don't choose suffering for the sake of suffering, right? But we're in this season of Lent where we're giving something good up for the sake of our relationship with God or for the sake of other people, for the sake of loving God, loving our neighbor. And the fact that like Jesus, again, something I've probably heard before, but like that he chose suffering. It's like, I don't suffer well, but even when I suffer, I did not choose it. It was imposed on me. And that he chose to suffer is just like something almost unfathomable to me. And chose joyfully. Right. You're just hanging out. That was a priest said that at our Ash Wednesday service. He said someone had asked him, do you think that Jesus felt joy on the cross? And initially he was like, no. And then as he thought about it, he said, yeah. I mean, was he in pain? Obviously. But he said, but he was joyful because he knew knew how it ended. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was pretty powerful for me to hear that. Like I just, you don't, sometimes we say we don't suffer well, but Jesus did actually suffer yeah. really well. Yeah. And, so, he, and he joyfully chose it. Yeah. It, it's just, it's unreal that like that amount of love to choose that kind of suffering for somebody else. And meanwhile, I'm sitting here like, I don't want to give up Dr. Pepper. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I knew that was coming. For the suffering of yourself, for the suffering of your family. And but you it's hard to give up chocolate. I'm sure he's like, really? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. But you know what? I mean, I, I don't want to minimize anyone's Lenten sacrifice. Because, I do. Be- <laughs> if you gave because- up chocolate, you're a loser. <laughs> if you gave up podcasts, you're dead to me. Yeah. I, yeah. You posted that not too long ago. Like, no, my numbers don't, do don't every Lent. I'm like, guys, Don't give up stop. podcasting. Podcasting. I don't think you people should give up podcasting. I mean. Coming from two people who do podcasts. I think a lot of podcasters should give up podcasting. <laughs> oh, my. That escalated quickly. Yeah, very much so. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. I, no, back to the Jesus. only time I choose suffering is listening to some Catholic <laughs> podcast. So, uh, anyway, that's stuck out to me. Okay, next G- random Jesus fact. Um, going from Easter back to Christmas. We're jumping around. I told you there was very a- loose connections. Liturgically, we're giving people a lot of options. When Jesus became man, God had to rely on humans. You should too. Okay, say that again. When Jesus became man, God had to rely on humans. Uh, so like Jesus, when he became he, a baby. He must have been like, really? Yeah. We're going to rely on them. <laughs> right. Have you seen their track record? Well, he got to pick his mom and she was perfect. <laughs> so like, he at least got to start pretty well. But like, he had to rely on Mary. He had to rely, uh, he had to rely on Mary for like all the physical things for babies, but also like for Joseph to protect them and take them from Egypt and or take them into Egypt. And um, he had to rely on them to like learn how to eat, learn how to walk, like, like all the normal human things. And like I think I a big thing both for me and I think a lot in our culture is this self reliance. Like oh I can do it on my own. Right. I can do it on my own. Right. And like. Obviously, the Christian response is we have to rely on God, but also that, like, you know, we talked a second ago about him choosing suffering. A big part of that was choosing to rely on imperfect uh-huh. humans, right? Uh-huh. Um, but I guess besides his mom, but um, but that he chose to need other people, which is fascinating because, like, the amounts of times that is another self-reflection thing of like, I choose to not need people a lot. It's like I could do this. Somebody else could probably do it but I can do it faster or better or right. whatever when like they could do it. Right. And probably do it differently and maybe even better than you could. If probably not better. If only given <laughs> a chance, if we're being honest. Right. 
But you, yeah, you know, I had a priest tell me that one time. Uh, he was talking about people in ministry. Like you shouldn't have a ministry leave longer than three years. Otherwise it becomes like Catherine's Vacation Bible School. I guess you'll have to lead for the Catholic soon because we're coming up on the three years of per, uh, per, uh, fully doing this. That's right. You want another podcast to take over? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, You're wearing I, the colors. <laughs> I am. Oh, that's right. I am. I'm representing you yeah. today. Yeah. I. It's hard, but it's hard to ask for help. Mm-hmm. The fact that I hadn't thought about it that way. Look at you all with all your deep thoughts about Jack Handy today. I don't know what that means. Oh my gosh. Are you serious? Shit. Okay, so I'm going to need some help from your audience here. We're going to wait for them to respond again. No, no, no. (laughs) They need to show up in the comments. You don't, seriously, you don't know who Jack Handy is? Jack Candy? Handy. Handy. Nope. Okay, so. On Saturday this Night happens Live. with Allison every episode. I'm like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> on Saturday Night Live, this is probably in the 90s, he would have deep thoughts by Jack Handy, and they would not be deep at all. Because is that what because you're saying I'm Live. doing? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'm thinking I'm having this deep segment, and you're like, actually, no. You're the idiot walking to a maze. No. <laughs> it's called a joke, Taylor. <laughs> no, it's Jokes so- are always fun when you have to explain them. <laughs> Anyway, I think some people will ex- will appreciate my reference to Jack Handy. Huh. I'm not taking away from your... Di- no, I'm saying like... <laughs> I'm just digging this, the hole. This segment is really like whenever an idiot thinks he's saying something important. No, this is... <laughs> real. I'm going to stop talking. You just keep going. All right, last one. This is not serious at all. Okay. This is your Jack Candy one. <laughs> this is my two. Uh, uh, perfect segue from last one. Talked about, you know, Joseph saving Jesus by... And Mary by you know, bringing them into Egypt. And I was listening to this podcast, TV show, something where they're talking about the pyramids and how old they are. And like people argue about how old they are, but they're like old, 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 old. So like the fact that like baby Jesus probably saw the pyramids blew, blew my mind. I'm like, baby, this is just like, you know, Joseph and Mary are freaking out because they're trying to protect this baby who they know or at least mostly know is God. And they're like, hey, you have to protect him. They go to Egypt. And the little baby Jesus is reaching out to the pyramids. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Wow. Because there was no Eiffel Tower. Like all the things right. that we would see. Like, I wonder if he went up on the elevator. I don't yet. think he made it to France. <laughs> or it, rode an elevator. I think it was ever there. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just the fact that little baby Jesus might have saw the pyramids just brought me so much joy for no reason at all. That's your Jack Candy <laughs> At least you said handy and not candy. So I was like, John Candy? <laughs> I know who John Candy is. He's funny. He is funny. Yeah. That's what I thought you were saying. You, th- I thought you were saying I was funny. You were saying I'm not deep at all. <laughs> no, that's not what I was saying at all. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. As you may know, Fort the Catholic is a non-profit 501c3 organization, and we live by your donations. Uh, the We've got kind of got a three-pronged approach here. We create our own stuff uh, for you to listen to and enjoy. We've got our podcast, our YouTube channel. Uh, our second prong is that we help other Catholic the creatives create their stuff, their YouTube videos, their podcasts. And then uh, finally, uh, we do events and speak and lead worship at parishes. So uh, what I would like to ask you today is, do you like what we're doing here? If you do, we could really use your help. We could use some financial support. Uh, things have been pretty lean here at the beginning of 2023, and we could use your uh, your financial gifts. So the best way to do that is to go to fortecatholic.com slash donate. There you can give a tax deductible donation, whether it's a one-time gift to help 
help us get through the beginning of this year. Or the best way to help us would be to give a monthly donation, just to kind of help us cover our costs for all the things that we are doing here, really to help me feed my kids and to help me employ our new employee. So uh, head on over to ForteCatholic.com slash donate. We would really appreciate it, especially if you've been listening to the show for a while and want to give back. Um, we, we just want to keep creating great things here for you to listen to, to help other Catholic creators and to help all the people that we can at events through our, our speaking and music and, and, and uh, retreats and all that sort of thing. So uh, ForteCatholic.com slash donate if you're feeling generous today. Thanks. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Schroll. I have another question about your house. Okay, great. This is becoming a theme. Okay. I didn't realize it was. What's that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a picture of it. I'm going to video it right now. And we're going to put this on with the other video. Wonderful. This is what I've been looking at the whole time. This is a lovely painting. You said it's by your dad. It's very, very pretty. But that... I don't... What is that? Taylor, so I didn't build the house, okay? <laughs> so my dad was actually in construction. So we used to... He used to build things growing up. And there was a series in there where we built houses. And I remember my dad saying, there should be no wasted space. And there should be, like, don't put dumb architectural details in a house. That is a dumb architectural detail. I'm glad detail. you listened to your dad. No, I didn't build the house. I didn't build this house. But I will tell you that someday when I can get rid of the tile and the carpet, that is going to go away. So we're just going to clean it and that's going to go put, away. I think you should put something there. Like, what? what the heck? Like put like a big cross or put... Then you have to dust photo? it. How the heck are you going to dust it? <laughs> <laughs> a lawn blower. So for, like for now, I just like <laughs> randomly paint it, I guess. I don't know. So that's what we no, did. Because I, I think it looks good with the other painting. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But I just look, I've been looking at it's it this random. whole time and it's bothering no, me. It, it bothers me too. I'm glad <laughs> it bothers someone else. Yeah. I think uh, it's dumb. But whatever. Anyway, uh, that's our show. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's all we got. So um, the other thing that I want to talk about today is I was uh, at a pastoral council meeting. Uh, and this guy named Mike, who was, uh, he, he showed up in the retreat episode. If you watched the retreat three episode a couple weeks ago, uh, he's Great guy, works in the uh, A&M Mays Business School. Like he's he's a high up yeah, like business businessman, super holy. He's actually in deacon formation. I didn't oh, even realize okay. that connection That's until cool. just now. Um, but we were we were talking at pastoral council about like we we're all there, there was a lot of feelings of like we're doing the same things over and over again, and we're getting tired. But the point was that other people aren't. He's like, there's a there's an importance if you are doing something good, which I think we're doing things that are good. If you're doing them over and over and over again, the person doing them. So if you're running Alpha, if you're running Foundations, if you're running Youth Ministry, if you're running RCIA, you're doing essentially the same thing every session, every year. But it's new for them, right? right? So, yep. you know, the, the first few times you're all excited, then it's like it starts to kind of lose its luster a little bit. You know it's still good, but it's like, should we change it up? And it's like, no, we shouldn't change it up. We just got this Different thing established. People, yeah. Other people are enjoying it. So it's just the importance of doing stuff Again and again and again. So I was, uh, he said that there's fruit, there, uh, there's faithfulness in doing it over and over again, and there's still fruit for other people. And it's part of working in ministry. It's like you do this for God, but ultimately you're doing it for the other people. It's not like I, I hate when people are like, oh, I gave a talk and they taught me more than them. I'm like they're in sixth grade. They're stupid. You should be teaching them, right? right. <laughs> um, yes, of course you're gonna have these special moments, or whatever. But I've just always hated that. <laughs> Yeah. The sentiment. They taught me more than I did. You should be fired. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need a new, a new gig? Yeah. Right, exactly. So 
I've been feeling that, you know, because like it's been busy, like re recording the podcast every week for seven years, um, editing other people's podcasts every day, uh, running ads, running this, doing like it's a lot of my work is repetitive and it's all stuff that I like doing. It's just repetitive. So I just needed that reminder of like there's there's this faithfulness in doing things that are repetitive that are good for the sake of other people, no matter really how I feel. Well, that sounds kind of like parenthood. Although, although my kids don't change. <laughs> I still have the same kids. But yeah, you teach the same lessons, although I teach the same lesson to six different people and they never listen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that should be your, your reminder now. Every time you look at yeah. that rear thing in your house, when you didn't listen to your dad, just reminded that that's why your kids don't listen to you because of that. Because of that architecture, <laughs> dumb architectural detail. Yeah, no, that's parenthood. Yeah, it's, you know, with little kids, it's changing the diaper all day, every day. It's, um, because if someone had told me at the beginning, you're going to change 150,000 diapers, I'd be like, no, we're not doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to have zero children. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there, there has been, you know, fruit and in your yeah. faithfulness, uh, in, in raising your kids. And like, uh, we have three, like, I mean, like we're, and we're noticing that we're teaching them this each kid the same lesson over and over again mm -hmm. before they get it. But also it's like, we have to teach this lesson to this kid. It's the same lesson, but there's nuance because it's a different kid. And then we have to teach the same lesson to the second kid, but there's nuance because they're different. And then we try to teach the third one and she doesn't listen at all. You know, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because do you really discipline the baby or the baby just lives how the baby wants to live? Yeah. Isn't it's the guy on Instagram. He does the three like oldest, middle and youngest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they are so spot <laughs> yeah. on. It's not even funny. I am the oldest child. Me too. And uh, and I um, I yeah. treat my baby. She she is the princess of the house. Now, are you married to an older child? Oh, I am married. Yes. No, <laughs> but no I mean, I'm married to the baby. You're married. So to I the guess baby. I have the. Oh, I was about to say something I shouldn't say. <laughs> Marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing over yeah, yeah, and over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm married to the oldest. We're both oldest. so we're both right all the time. So so y'all argue more than me and my wife do. Probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hundred percent. Yeah. I'm like, I'm in charge. And she's like, okay. okay. Yeah, like, <laughs> That's funny. That's a funny little uh, little insight. Uh oh yeah, the baby gets baby gets everything. It's, like it's so funny because even like, the kids notice it. They're like, Mom, you, you don't do anything with her. Like, you carry in her backpack, you do and I'm like, Well, I mean, it's heavy. Right. <laughs> I'm the disciplinarian. And like, uh it's like especially with the oldest, it's like he's the boy, he's the oldest. It's like I, I am the disciplinarian for like he kind of walks over Sam a little bit. So I'm like I'm like, you have to step up and like you're the parent, you know? And then with Maggie, she got a little better, but like I was still the disciplinarian. And now she has to yell at Felicity because I'm like, she'll yell at Felicity and she's crying. I'm like, oh come here. Oh, <laughs> you got and then I'll send people to Tom out. I'm like, you made your sister cry. They're like, Mom, she was literally beating us with a stick. I'm like, it's fine. Right, she doesn't right. know better. Yeah, exactly. my, my my excuse up to now has been She's not of the age of reason, but first communion's happening soon. And so I'm like, I have to find a new argument. Man, that whole age of reason. Like, it's brutal. My, my kids started sending it like two and a half. <laughs> I don't know who came up with this age of reason thing, but it was a celibate priest who didn't have kids. I can tell you that much. <laughs> no, there's, my two, my there's two year olds all sinned. Because <laughs> I was like, you walk into any kindergarten class and they know the difference between right and wrong. Right. Well, just... 100%. Yeah. Yeah, no. I got in trouble in kindergarten for lying. Oh, speaking of doing things over and over again, just <laughs> lying in kindergarten for me. And uh, I knew it was wrong and I kept doing it. 
I kissed boys in kindergarten. I kissed. I, 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 you had your first kiss way before I did. <laughs> I still remember it was Adam. He's now a Baptist preacher. Oh. And his and his uncle is a priest in our diocese. Have you told him this story? He does know this. Story. <laughs> in <laughs> because, confession. <laughs> no, because oh, here's a fun story. Because, I kissed a Baptist out of wedlock. <laughs> because this priest dated all my mom's sorority sisters when they were in college, and then he became he converted to Catholicism. Got it all out of the system. And became a priest. So when I told if my, you're going to be celibate, you might want to date an entire sorority first. Good for him. So funny. So every time I'm not even going to say his name, but every time I see him, I just laugh because I know like the story before he became father. It's really funny. But you get the I best of it. both worlds. I know. It's awesome. It's so great. There are people too. Uh, <laughs> that's good. That's a yeah. great story. I want to know who it is now. Uh, we'll talk later. Um, yeah, we talked about parenting, doing things over and over again. And, and recently you, uh, not started, but took over a podcast called Hand to Hold that I am working on. It's the thing that I have to fix later. Fix it's that. actually why I came, not to do this stupid show, but to do your real show that's like helping <laughs> people you. and stuff. Um, but uh, so tell us what Hand to Hold is, and then I have some questions about you. Yeah, so Hand to Hold is a national nonprofit, and they really work on the model of peer to peer mentorship. So par- pairing um, moms, dads, and caregivers of people who are out of the neonatal intensive care unit with people who are currently there. And then they also do like bereavement and counseling. They do, and and it's all free to the families. So they have a podcast, they have um, an app, they have a website, a blog, all the things. So what I love about Hand to Hold is that they started the year that I was in the NICU with our fifth baby. So they had just launched like that fall. And so the founder was my mentor. Now they have a oh, whole cool. now they have a whole network of people, but the founder at the time was my mentor and we've been with you them. Feel, you feel special, don't you? I do, because <laughs> I randomly found her number from two different very two very different people and called her and she kind of changed our life. You know, just the you feel alone in the NICU. And so while we were my husband was on the board for a while on hand to hold. So there have been years, I mean, our son is now 13 years old, so there's been a lot of distance between the NICU and now. But I went to go visit with her about some hard things that we were navigating. And at the end, she's like, by the way, we're transitioning the podcast. Do you want to take it over? And I was like, we were, I was just came for coffee. <laughs> this, is not, this is not in the plan, but it was in God's plan. And I'm loving it because I get to have conversations with people who are medical professionals like doctors and counselors and therapists, but also people that you wouldn't think like chaplains and doulas, but also families, like what their stories are. So and then once a month, you talk to a simpleton and call it a day. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Once, once a month, I do this. So I love, they're, they're just 30 minutes. So mine are quick, like on a commute, you can listen to them diving into people's stories and good advice. So the, I always ask the same question at the end of every episode. It's always, what's your advice, you know, for someone who's experiencing preeclampsia or what's your advice with a high risk pregnancy? I always want, everybody always has good advice. And, um, and I'm getting to talk to people that I wouldn't normally get to talk to. So I love it. It's a lot of That's fun. That's fun. And last time I was here, I learned something new about you that you were surprised that I didn't know about you. You told me about this barbecue pilgrimage. Yes. That's the most important thing I needed to learn about you. Second most thing. I'm now working on this podcast that you're doing, and I didn't even know that you had a whole NICU baby situation. So um, what what happened? <laughs> so what does that look like? 
So the the short story is, is that Luke, uh, I went in for my geriatric ultrasound because I was going to be 35 when I delivered him. So you Your 13-year-old do... baby, the reason we can't ring the doorbell. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, uh, they do a big anatomy scan. And when they did that anatomy scan, they found that he had what they called um, abnormalities of unknown origin. And so we started to do a bunch of testing and realized that I had what we call CL, crappy luck. Oh. <laughs> my, I was like, oh, what's Let's this? Let's see. It's crappy like. Crapatius So technically he was diagnosed with IUGR, so intrauterine growth restriction translation. My uterus did a really terrible job of growing him. We think that I had some sort of a placental tumor. And so as Luke was growing, every- You're watching on YouTube. You're watching my eyes be like, that glaze over. I'm really interested, but it's like, what? Do these words mean? Yeah, <laughs> every major organ was affected in his development. So brain, spine, kidneys, all of it. And so we thought that he would just be in the NICU for a couple of weeks and we would feed him and he would grow and we would bust out of there with maybe a few specialists and everything would be fine. But then on day nine, um, Luke contracted an illness called necrotizing intercolitis. So I don't know if anyone knows Latin out there, but necro means death. So it it's means an, praise the Lord it, Almighty. It means... <laughs> the deepest, darkest valley of your life. Yeah. And so it ate away at his bowel. Once your wow. bowel dies, it doesn't come back. So while we were in a room praying with the priest, Luke coded, and we had to resuscitate him and transfer him to the children's hospital. And he underwent emergency surgery where he had a two in 10 chance of surviving. Wow. So that so was- this, So this was like right after he was born? Nine days old. No, oh yeah, sure. Nine, nine days, days old. old. And how- Early was he born? So he was 36 weeks, but he was only three pounds and change. So he was, oh because gosh. he was growth restricted, he was about the size of a 32 weeker. Wow. Um, so his lungs were fully developed. Sometimes babies born before 34 weeks have issues with their lungs. Luke's lungs, Luke's lungs were fine. That's the only organ that was not affected. <laughs> he came out yelling. He came out <laughs> screaming. Um, but yeah, emergency C-section, like the whole wow. nine yards. And so, at, so when we left the NICU, he had six more surgeries. So seven in total, 16 specialists. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of occupational feeding, speech, and physical therapy. So he's a literally our million dollar miracle. And yeah, last month I was just standing there eating dip with him, had no idea that he went through or that y'all went through all Yeah, of this. it took him four years to eat solid wow. food. I mean, like he is he was our um our tsunami that like hit our family. So it reframed our faith, but it also, I don't know, it gave me a window into a world that I mean I I think, I don't want to say this the wrong way. I mean, I think that sometimes as people of faith, we think that if we do the things that while suffering will come, it will be like manageable. And like the more good things that we do, the more that Jesus will be like, oh, you're doing such a good job at being a Christian. Pat, pat, pat. Yeah, good yeah. job. I love you so much. And I guess I thought that we would be exempt from deep, hard, horrific suffering, which was so naive, but it did happen to us. And thankfully we had built a foundation of community and faith um, not to say that it wasn't difficult, but I'm thankful that we did that. I don't know how we would have done it without all of those things. So um, while the podcast is not a faith-based podcast, it is one that gives me a chance to hear people's, I guess there's some universality there and like people understand what it's like to sit in a queue in a rocking chair, you know, what it's like to sit on the phone hours on end with an insurance company. And so to have those conversations with people is cathartic for me, but I'm hopeful, like this stuff wasn't around in 2009. Like podcasts were kind of starting to come around blogs, you know, Facebook was big, but you couldn't really have deep conversations like that. And 
you're so oscillated in the NICU. So a podcast is perfect because people can listen to it while they're sitting there. And um, we're also doing it on YouTube. I feel very fancy. So mm-hmm. we're doing that too. But I absolutely think that had Luke not happened to our family, I don't know who the people, I don't know what kind of people we would be mm-hmm. without him. So. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know. Any, I mean, I got, like, I didn't know until I started working on the show and I started picking up snippets of it, but I didn't know yeah. the whole story. You said that, you know, that, this, that, uh, Nikki now that handhold people like helped you through it and like you learned lessons and it was hard. Like what, so what did like 13 years later now, like what, what were the, you said it changed your aspect of faith for your family. Like what were like the one or two biggest takeaways changes in, in your world of faith from that experience? I think it was much more like I became a much better, I had a much better relationship with God. Like I was very polite with him before, like, yes, sir. No, mm. sir. And I finally started cussing at him in my closet because yeah, yeah. I was like, this is really Which hard. Is, it's a funny thing. It's a funny signal that your relationship with him is getting better. <laughs> but it's, it, it got real though. Like that, it, that's the example of like, whenever you started this show and I started making fun of you more, you're like, you're meaner. I'm like, yeah, you're one of my friends now. I know yeah. you. Jesus is like, wow, she's really laying it on yeah, thick yeah. now. <laughs> That's really funny. So definitely became much more real. Like yeah. I became much more honest and vulnerable, but I also, I think as a family, we started really living, I hate to use this word intentionally, but like really focused on like, does this matter? And why does this matter? Like, mm-hmm. that's why we took that barbecue pilgrimage. That's why we, you know, do this crazy whole house purge every year, because I want the things in our house to serve our family and mm-hmm. the choices that we make. And, and had it not been for Luke, like you, when you were sitting there looking at your baby in an incubator thinking, I don't know if we're going to see him again, yeah. somehow all the things that you thought were super important are synthesized down to very simple terms. Like, baby. Yeah. yeah. So you can't unsee that and you can't, be, you are no longer the same person. Yeah. You either, I think in that situation, you either go away from God or closer to him, but you can never. Either stay. way you're cussing at him. <laughs> That's right. And I'd rather be closer to him cussing right. at him than further away. So that's probably the biggest thing. And just Luke has taught us how to be good advocates for the things that we believe mm-hmm. in. I was not the mom who would like question a doctor or push for things. Um, I've always been a little, have always had a little bit of a sassy streak to me, but Luke taught me how to do that with a lot of um, prayer, but also like you have to fight for the people that you love Mm -hmm. and it's okay to push a little bit because his life was hanging in the balance and somebody needed to be his advocate. Right. And nobody cares more than you. That's right. And I'm the mom there. I know they probably had notes like room 305. Mom is, mom is a lot. Like (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's what was in the notes. It's like, uh, we're, we're, we're doing a lot of work with the baby, but mom, she is. Yeah, yeah. Do we have some extra Versed? Which, like, Versed is like margarita and a stick. And I'm sure they're like, can we give her some of that? That's yeah. nice. Yeah. Quite a treat. There were times when he would have surgery and I would look at the anesthesiologist and be like, can I get what he's getting? We're both going to bed. Can you yeah, tap yeah, yeah, us yeah. both? Yeah. So. Get a splitter. I know that's how it works with audio. I don't know that's how it works. Get a splitter. It just exa- goes into both Actually, they yeah. do have that. Yeah. We do. We did need that. But yeah, he's, um, he's a great kid. And um, I'm grateful that that really hard thing happened to our family. Um, we learned how to suffer, I guess, would be the best way to say that. Look at that. This, this, this show we circle. didn't plan at all probably had the most connections of anything that we've done. Probably. So, well, good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to know. I'm glad to be working with the show. Yeah. I hope people will go listen to it, especially if you've had that experience or if you're, you know, you know somebody that does, you can share, share that show with them. Um, but this has been, this has been good. Uh, we're, by the next time I come here, 
I'm, I'm going to buy you something to put right up there. There's even oh. a nail up there. That's it, what I'm laughing oh, yeah. at. We used to have something, and I was I like, it looks ridiculous. So I took it down. Nice. It's either a cross or a big A&M thing. So that'll be fun. All right. Well, we'll deal with that the next time I'm here. That's Catherine Whitaker. I'm Taylor Stroll. She'll be back in a month. I'll be back next week. See ya! Thank you guys for watching and listening today. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording it. We had a great time. Catherine took me to Chick-fil-A after. All of her kids worked there, so we got uh, a family discount. I felt like I was part of the Whitaker family for a day, and I really enjoyed that. I hope that you felt a part of our family here today at the show. We really enjoy uh, creating these for you, and we hope that you enjoyed uh, listening and watching and seeing my face. I love you, and we'll see you soon. Hit subscribe, all the good things. We'll see you again. Bye-bye.